means, uh, it's a Latin word, it means Adventus, and it basically means arrival. And these are the four Sundays before Christmas Day when we begin to anticipate, to hopefully live expectantly uh, as we anticipate Christmas Day and all that that means. But really, during the Advent season, there are kind of three, three big ideas. Uh, the one that we think about the most is when we look backwards, we look back to the birth of the Christ child, which is what this video was about. And we remember when God came on the scene, he broke into the world's darkness, and Jesus, the Son of God, was born to a virgin. And then we look to the, you know, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and all that Jesus' life meant then. So we are looking backward, remembering, celebrating. It also means that we are expectantly living with a holy expectation, expecting God's arrival in our today. Uh, you know, last week we talked about what are those things that keep you up in the night. Uh, we talked about it could be that you have to go to the bathroom, that maybe really there are bladder issues. It could be something that happened with someone at work. We talked about different things. But, but Advent is about being intentional about having that holy expectation that God is present in your now. Advent, the third part of Advent, is also having a holy expectation as we look forward, as we look to the return of Christ. You know, the scriptures, we, it's something that, you know, for whatever reason, we don't seem to talk about the end of the age a lot in church. But Advent is that season where we are looking back at the birth of the Christ child, but we are also looking forward with a holy expectation that Jesus is going to return one day, that one day he will be riding on the clouds. And so this season reminds us to live in that holy anticipation. Um, I'm reading a book this Christmas just as a part of my personal devotional time, and it's a book by uh, Timothy Keller, and, and the name of the book is, Whole, is um, The Hidden Christmas. And, and he talks about in the first chapter, and I thought this was something I, I'd not really heard anyone say it quite this way, but he said the unique thing about Christmas in our Western society today is you have two celebrations, two, two events that we are, we are looking at at the same time. One is that the high holy day of Christmas, which is a very spiritual time. It's a time for us to remember the birth of Christ. He said, but this is also in our culture today. It is a secular holiday. Um, you think about it, it is a federal holiday, um, you know, banks, uh, school, you know, pretty much even, even Walmart closes on, on Christmas Day. It is recognized, um, it is one of, um, you know, we talk about Black Friday and all this, you know, uh, our, our real, real uh, you know, the folks who are selling things and, you know, they, they anticipate that the Christmas season is going to get them in the black for the next year. It is, it is this contrast and it's almost like a Venn diagram. Do y'all know what a Venn diagram is? You might remember this from elementary school, but it's where you have you draw one circle and you put all the stuff in this one circle and then you draw another circle. But the place where the two overlap uh, is kind of this unique spot. And that's what, to me, Christmas, this Advent season is. It is this high, holy 
uh, season where we are to be living expectantly as we are looking back to the birth of Jesus, expecting Christ to come and come into our darkness. We are looking forward to the return of our coming King. But yet there's all this other that is not bad. Well, some of it can be bad, you know, but, but it's all mingled up at the same time. Um, I teach a Bible study on Tuesday nights, and, um, and I asked the ladies last week, I said, when you think about the Christmas season, what is your greatest challenge? What would you say is the thing that, that kind of is the, the hardest for you during this time of the year? And, uh, and one of the ladies said, and I thought this was so well said, she said, there's so much extra that gets put into your life during the Christmas holidays. There's the extra shopping. There's the extra Christmas parties. There's the extra decorating the house. All these extra things things that are wonderful she said but it's almost like these four weeks December becomes a whirlwind and then you get to Christmas morning and you go ah that's right that's why we did all of this and so as we talk about today we're going to be talking about cast of characters um, I want to just us to think about having that holy expectation and in your life and in my life what are those barriers what are those things that get in the way for us now, before I dig into the scripture that's going to kind of be our main text, so I want to set this up. Traditionally, on the first Sunday in Advent, the church, you know, um, the, the scripture, uh, there's something called a lectionary. This is kind of insider language, but basically it is a, a church calendar, and it gives you these suggested texts to preach on during the year. And the first Sunday in Advent, the text that we are traditionally kind of recommended to preach on has nothing to do with the baby Jesus nothing to do with the baby Jesus you know what it has to do with the second coming and so to kind of set our story up I wanted to read to you something that Jesus said about his return um, and this is pretty powerful because it helps us lean into the passage that we're going to be looking at today now Jesus was talking to his disciples and he begins to this was kind of at the end of his ministry and he is preparing them for what is to come and you've got it up there on the, and this is from the message translation which is more of a uh, kind of a, a, a common way to talk um, but anyway he, he's telling his disciples and he says this is what it's going to be like at the end of the age and he says it will seem like all hell has broken loose the sun the moon the stars the earth the sea in an uproar and everyone all over the world in a panic the wind knocked out of them by the th threat of doom and the powers that be quaking and and I like that description there and you know recently um, I was with a group of people and we were getting ready to pray it was a you know a time set aside to pray and and this person was talking about you know the election and they were talking about you know all that's kind of going going on politically in our world and all the turmoil and then there were the hurricanes and then there were the fires and there were all these things and they said it just feels like our world is coming apart um, I was in the checkout line at, at, uh, at Publix uh, during Katrina not Katrina I'm sorry during Irma and um, and apparently they had been moving animals from a zoo to another safe location and one of the 
uh, the, I guess the trucks that the animals were in had gotten loose, and so there was some of the large uh, cat, like I don't know if it was a tiger or a lion, but one of those had gotten loose like on the interstate, and so we're, we're checking, I'm checking out at Publix, and the guy, we're talking, and he goes, I feel like, like, is somebody playing Jumanji, and they didn't tell us about it? <laughs> I don't know if I remember that movie, but where it's like everything is in chaos, and so that is kind of the mood that Jesus is describing here, and he says, and then, and he writes, then, with an exclamation point, and he says, they will see the Son of Man welcomed in grand style, a glorious welcome when all this starts to happen, up on your feet, stand tall with your heads high, because help is on the way. And he is describing kind of the return of Jesus at the end of the age. And then Jesus goes on, and I think it's important to note, he is talking to his disciples here. He is talking to his faithful disciples, those who have walked with him for three years, those who have seen the miracles. If anybody is living in holy expectation, it should be this group of guys. But he gives them a warning, and he says, but you, be on your guard. And don't let, and I, and I love the way that he says this, uh, Eugene Peterson in, this, in the message translation. He says, don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled. I remember when I was a freshman in college and I had given my heart to Jesus. And, and that spring semester, I would say it is probably like none other in my whole Christian walk. Because during that time, it just felt like God was so present. And I don't know if that was just a special gift. I don't know if that's something that everybody experiences. But I would read my Bible and it would just feel like God was speaking to me. I would go to Bible study and it would be like, oh my gosh, that guy that's preaching, has he been like reading my journal? I had this holy expectation as I prayed. I remember praying for my little sister and praying that she would get born again. And, and after a season, she called me and said, you know, that she had given her heart to Jesus. And I mean, it was just this holy expectation that God was present and he was moving and he was alive. But Jesus is warning his disciples, and he can say, you can lose the sharp edge of that expectation. And then this is what he says. There's three areas. It can get dulled by parties, by drinking, and shopping. Now, if I have ever heard somebody describe what this month is pretty much about, except for church, by, by parties... How many of you have an office party you got to go to? How, how many of you have one party to go to? How many of you have two parties to go to? Three parties, four parties. And so, you know, every organization that you're in, and it's wonderful, but he said, don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties, by drinking. That, that could be not just alcohol, but that could be overeating, all that, go, you know, it's wonderful when you get together, but sometimes the, you know, not exercising restraint physically, maybe you're not exercising as much, but there a dullness, a lethargicness that kind of sets in. And he said, and shopping, which I just thought that was so interesting because there are all these cultural expectations of more that we do during this season. And Jesus is warning there, and he, and he goes on, and he says, if you let this sharp edge of your expectation get dulled, he said, that day, that day, my return, 
my return, it is going to take you by complete surprise. It is going to spring on you suddenly like a trap, for it's coming on everyone, everywhere, at once. So whatever you do, he looks at his disciples and he says, don't fall asleep at the switch. Don't fall asleep at the switch. So I think about my life, and I think about what this season is like, and I, and I want to invite you to do the same. How can we not fall asleep at the switch? How can we keep the sharp edge of our expectation sharp so that we recognize Christ? So we are, you know, when you come into a space like this, um, you know, some who kind of lived in that holy expectation who came to church with hearts ready to worship sometimes you experience the presence of God in a unique way but sometimes when you come in and you're distracted and you're on your phone and and you know your head I want to say your head's not in the game it's like this moment of beautiful worship can pass you by and you didn't experience the presence of Christ I mean I've been there where I come into a worship service and, I, and I've got a thousand things on my mind and I feel like I miss it versus the times when I come in with this holy expectation that God is going to meet me here. And, and so I can be in the same place. I can be going through the same motions. But sometimes my expectation impacts my experience. So does that make sense? So the two, that we, the two folks that we're looking at today, you know, you've got their, their story there in your bulletin if you want to follow along. But our, our sermon series is on the cast of characters and looking at the people surrounding Jesus uh, during his birth. And today we are looking at two people who had a holy expectation. And because of that, they recognized the Christ child. They had this holy expectation, and I want us to just look at their story. There's not much about them. This is really the only place that we find out anything about them is in Luke's gospel, Luke's telling of the story. But there's just some key words in here that I want to hold on to during this Advent season. I want these words to be my words, and I want these words to be who I'm trying to live into, and I hope that you will do the same. So if you want to follow along in your bulletin, um, Oh, but let me set it up first. Okay, so Luke 2, Luke is telling the story. He's told about the shepherds. He's told about the birth of Christ. Uh, he tells that uh, when Jesus was eight days old, he was circumcised. And then, and he was named Jesus. But the next thing he says, he says, when the time of purification had come, that Mary and Joseph took baby Jesus to the temple. Uh, to fulfill the law. Now, what does this mean? So this would have been, we read about this in the Old Testament, at, at 40 days, when Jesus would have been 40 days old, they would have had to go to the temple and offer their, their sacrifice. And, and this was a time, a rite of purification. They were dedicating baby Jesus to the Lord. Now, just a few minutes ago, as I was standing in the back here, we were worshiping Sarah Beth Gillespie. I'm, some of you may know Sarah Beth. But anyway, um, they just had a new baby. And so she's walking out uh, with little baby Logan. And, and I said, Sarah Beth, I said, remind me, how old is Logan right now? And she said, oh, he is six weeks old. And I went, that's how old Jesus was when Mary and Joseph took him. And, and you know, I'm just thinking about what, and, and I don't know, I could, could ask Maddie here, just like, what was your, what was your night like last night? Um, let me ask, okay, I, I'm a, did y'all sleep through the night at all last night? A little. Typically, when a baby's six weeks old, they're not completely sleeping through the night because they have to eat about every three to four hours. Uh, every time they eat, does everybody know what comes next? 
That's right. That's right. So also, now, you know, Sarah Beth and Matt, they, they got to drive in a car here to church. Mary and Joseph would have been walking. And so here they were, and I think about this little family, maybe coming to the temple a little distracted. You know, we don't know. Maybe Jesus was a little colicky. I don't know. But they are coming because this is who they are. This is what the law requires. We know their faith. We know their deep devotion to the Lord. And so they enter in the temple ready to dedicate Jesus to the Lord. And that's where our story picks up. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. And Luke is going to describe this man to us. And these are the words that I want us to hold on to because these are the words that I would love it. I don't know that anybody would say this of me, but this is, this is my North Star. This is where I'm pointing and trying to take next steps towards this. But he says, he was a righteous man and, and he was devout. He was devout. He loved the Lord. He worshiped God. This was his north star, where his face was headed. And it says that he was, and here's this Advent word, he eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel. And it showed his, his attitude of his heart. This was this holy expectation. And it says that the Holy Spirit rested on him. Um, the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so he gets up that morning. I don't know if they brushed their teeth 2,000 years ago, but maybe they did. I don't know if he shaved. I don't know what his morning routine was. But he was going about his day with this holy expectation. And then that Luke tells us that he was led by the Spirit. I don't know if he was planning on going to the temple that day. You know, we don't know. But we do know that that morning, as he lived in this holy expectation, he was led by the Spirit, and he went to the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. And Simeon took Jesus in his arms, and he praised God and said, he praised God and said, he said, oh, now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all people. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people, Israel. How was it that that day, I can I don't know how many, maybe there were 50, maybe there were 175 people milling around the temple that day. There might have been other young families bringing their baby to the temple. How was it that Simeon recognized that this was the one? It was because he lived in holy expectation. He lived in that anticipation, and he didn't miss the moment. Now, our next character, it is Anna. Verse 36, there was also a prophet, Anna. And uh, she was the daughter of someone that I can't pronounce. And she belonged to the tribe of Asher. And I, I, this next sentence, I'm like, Luke, did you really have to say this one? He goes, and she was very old. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Luke, you, you didn't have to tell us that. But he goes, on, and let me just, he goes, she's old. And let me tell you how old she is. He goes on and he says, she was now an 84-year-old widow. She had been married for seven years, and then her husband died. And the scriptures tell us here, Luke, Luke tells us, he says, she never left the temple area, but she worshiped God with fasting and prayer night and day. 
she never left the temple and she worshiped God with fasting and prayer. This morning, um, I've attended the 830 service and a lot of our older adults, uh, that is their, their service where they worship, not entirely, but um, a lot of them. And I think the thing that I'm always struck with um, is that several of our older adults that attend that service, it is a true physical challenge to come to church every morning. I mean, you know, once on Sunday mornings. One lady came in, and she was on, um, she had a, a cane with her, and, and she said, my husband's not here yet, but he's trying so hard. He had had some surgery, and there's some, some things that still need to, you know, heal up. And she said, but as soon as, as, soon as he can be, get his pants on, he is coming back to church. And I thought, oh, my goodness. You know, there was somebody else who you could tell that it was it winded them to walk from the parking lot into the church. Uh, there's someone else who has had a stroke, and she comes in on a walker, and, and walking is very difficult. And I just see these saints, and, and I think, Lord, I want to be like them one day, where it takes courage because of the limitations that come with aging, but yet they're going to be in their father's house on Sunday morning at 8.30 with anticipation, holy anticipation. And I think of Anna like this, 84 years old, and she is in her father's house. And what happens? Other ladies in the temple probably, other people there. But it says at that time when, when Simeon has picked up baby Jesus, he is prophesying over here, proclaiming this message. It says that she approached at that very moment and she recognized the Christ child too. And she began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone. Okay, who did she speak to? Those who were looking forward to the redemption of Jesus. So think about this for a second. There's the secular, there's the religious, there's the spiritual. But those who were living in that holy expectation, they did not miss the moment. So let's think about us, because that's where it all comes back to. How am I going to live this out today? Here's what I, I know about me, and I would suspect it about you. You probably live somewhere on a continuum. So on one continuum up here, let's call this 10, you got Anna and Simeon. And they are almost so spiritual, it's just almost hard to, to be there. I mean, I, I want to and I try so hard. Um, on the other hand, there is the warning that Jesus gave about how the parties and the shopping and the drinking and, and all of the busyness of life, that it has dulled your holy expectation. And you're pretty much going through life a little unaware of these moments that take your breath away because God is present and God shows up. And, and so I want us to think about today, and especially as we head into this Advent season, on that scale of 1 to 10, where do you find yourself? Where do you find yourself? I was talking to a neighbor of mine, and uh, we used to go to church together when I lived in Warner Robins, and, uh, and we were in Bible study together, and uh, some couples and all. But anyway, so I, I, we met him one day. I mean, we were out walking and bumped into him, and I said, well, how are y'all doing? I said, how are things going at church? And they said, well, you know, we really just hadn't been going. And this came up, and then this came up, and then we got out of the habit. And, and I could tell that there was just kind of this hunger. And, I, and the husband said, you know, I really miss Bible study. He said, I can't tell you how many, how many Monday nights I did not want to go to Bible study. I'd be like, oh, I don't want 
want to go. You know, it's late. I'd rather stay home. And his wife would be like, come on, we're going to Bible study. Um, and he said, but every time I went, he said, I always walked away having heard something that helps me get closer to God. Every time. And, and he said, we have really got to get back. Um, and I invited them to Martha Bowman, um, but they hadn't come yet, so keep praying for them. I'm not going to tell you their names. But, but it's that when we get ourselves out of the routine, when we, we stop facing forward and leaning into those moments, that's when our senses can get dulled. And so as we go through this Advent season, I want you to think about what can you do to kind of make sure with all the bustle, all the hustle, that you continue to live into that holy expectation. Now, a couple of things that I want to um, show you is that. Now, is this not beautiful? Did it, who all did uh, Advent wreaths downstairs? Anybody? Okay, if you haven't, I don't know. Do we have any left? Is anybody down there volunteering? Uh, is Amanda in here? No, she might still be working. Okay, if you didn't make an Advent wreath, let me invite you to go downstairs. April said if they had any wood left over that y'all could still do it. But, but an Advent wreath is just a great way to kind of give yourself a reminder to live in holy expectation. Now, what do I mean by that? So an Advent wreath, uh, we've made these, is that you can put this on your kitchen table, on your dining room table, and, and the way it works is the first Sunday of Advent, which would be today, you at dinner or whenever your family gathers, you light the first candle. And then the rest of the week, uh, whenever you sit down as a family to eat, someone lights that first candle. So, you know, it'll go down just a little bit, a little bit and then on week two you do that and and we did this as a family years ago and I, I, I you know was trying to think about how can I make sure that I'm helping my children understand Christ is the reason for the season and so I had like this elaborate devotional and it was all well it was just a, a, a total epic fail uh, you know they were like mom do we have to read that long thing and so so I realized that I was trying to make it too grown up too religious and so I got to where you know we would do something much shorter much simpler um, and whoever got to light the candle was the one that got to bless the food and you know I'm not going to lie it was usually if I put, no, I want to light the candle, no, I want to light the candle. But the memories that we have around our kitchen table um, as we lit candles, said a prayer, thank God for food, and remembered why it is that we celebrate Christmas, that became a high holy moment for me. And so I want you to, every week during the Advent season, we're doing Mary Martha Christmas. And this is one just tool that we're trying to give you uh, to, to have some kind of activity like this that you can do as a family, that you can do with those that you live with. If you're, if you're not married and you're single and maybe you've got a roommate, uh, this is something that y'all can do to help keep that holy expectation up. We've also got, um, let's see, where, oh, here it is. We've also got like weekly, a, a weekly devotional. These are really quick, but it's just a little prompt um, as you think about how do you live into Advent with this holy expectation. You know, as I think about the holy expectation, I know that for many of us, we are looking forward to Christ's return. We remember what Christ did for us when he died on the cross. But we need a holy expectation for our now, that God is big enough, God is great enough to break into our darkness. I asked somebody uh, this week, as I was kind of, you know, thinking about today, I said, what is your holy expectation? Where is it that you need God to show up in your life? She's 20, and she said, a husband? 
it's having that holy expectation that in my now and in my present, whatever it is that you need God to show up in, he is big enough and he is great enough. As we live this out, I'm going to um, invite the band to come up and I'm going to pray for us and we'll have our, our offering. But if you have never asked Jesus into your heart, you know, I think about where, where are you on that continuum? If, if you have never started a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you during this Advent season to, to, to step across the line and to say yes to him, that you want him to be your Savior and your Lord. Maybe your holy expectation has gotten dulled. Maybe your faith has become routine. And maybe you need to cry out to God to create within you that devotion, that desire that Anna and Simeon had. I want to invite you to do that. And, and maybe, you know, you are getting just busy with the routines and your heart's in the right place. You know, ask the Lord to help you know what you can say no to so you can give your best yes to Jesus. Let's pray.